Tonight, turn up your AC for summer's hottest action with World Championship Wrestling. Who will be crowned the first lady of WCW? Can the Steiner brothers send Doc and Gordy packing back to Japan? Will the ring be able to hold Sting and Cactus Jack? Find out who the real Iron Man is. There's only one way to catch this sizzling slam fest. It's the WCW Beach Blast. Hello again and welcome to episode number 89 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, as we enter the final week of August 2018, what do you have for us from the news desk this week? Jim the Anvil Neidhart passed away. Okay, well we'll start out with that, yes. Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, the last living member of the Hart Foundation as far as the 1997 incarnation and the original incarnation... Yeah, well, it was Brett and Jimmy, I guess, if you count Jimmy as part of the trio in the 80s. So, yeah. pretty sad. Passed away at the age of 63 after uh, taking a fall. Was adjusting the thermostat. Yeah. Uh, was uh, Just fell at home and hit his head. And He was suffering from early onset Alzheimer's disease, which uh, can probably be traced to head trauma over the years. It's terrible to think that all the Heart Foundation is gone outside of Brett. You know, it's... Pretty crazy, actually. Yeah. And uh, Pillman, Owen, Bulldog, the way it's all gone down, too, man. It's almost like kind of like, you know how they say the Kennedys are cursed or whatever. It's almost kind of like well, it made like me think weird. of like it made me think of like the Von Erichs. Oh yeah, dude. and also the Absolutely. but when you think of wrestling families in general, the Anawahi family, they've had a lot of wrestlers pass away very young. Any wrestling family, That's it true. seems like. They're just not long for this world by one one way or another. Jim's not going to be remembered for his entering work. You know, he was more of a uh, character. He was he was the muscle of the Hart Foundation, is what I always looked at him as. He was the guy to get the hot tag and clean house and let yeah. Brett do all the work. And he also he also helped Brett when they were doing promos because Brett was not a good promo, and Anvil could step in. I mean, part of the reason Brett wore sunglasses is because he was so scared of doing interviews. That is true, and not a lot of people know that. That is very true. And so uh, Anvil was able to be the the comic relief, the evil laugh. He he had all the character of the Heart Foundation, the goatee. When he pulled on the that greatest goatee, goatee. Oh my God! He kept when he kept he'd laugh and be pulling on that goatee, and it just as a kid it made you want to have one just so you could do the same thing, you know. Was very instrumental in the uh, Owen push, as we saw with Owen winning King of the Ring, yeah. the King of Hearts, yeah. in that feud. Uh, came back for the 97 Canada versus America feud. Uh, went to WCW and floundered just like Bulldog did. Had a lot of the same issues as Bulldog. The only one to show back up after Montreal. That's because, right, and be embarrassed. Uh, yeah, because... You well, know, outside of Owen. Be, Owen was still under contract. Right, but he showed back up in the concept of, you know, I gotta, I gotta make a living for my family. Like, I, family, family, yeah, but I still... I got Natalia at home. You know, I got a wife. I got a little girl. I gotta make a living for my household and my family. I don't appreciate what you know. He verbalized that he didn't like what the way it went down. Show goes on. Put the cards aside. We'll handle this backstage. But I, I got some. And then was was embarrassed out there in front of with DX. Yeah, yeah. And, spray painted WCW and and uh, on on screen and and obviously at that point in time was you know he tried to be the bigger man and go back and and continue with business and that pretty much in my eyes is what forced the last member of the Hart Foundation, per se, out the door for me. I know Owen was there, but I feel like after Neidhart left, Owen really 
the Hart Foundation was gone in my book. Not nothing against Owen, but they just had him doing that blue blazer bullshit. Well, and that's so, well, that's how it ended up because they just wanted to embarrass him. I think Owen had a longer term contract. Yeah. Uh, than Neidhart did. I don't. And this was in the days before the non-competes and stuff, so yeah. they could just cut Jim. And it's not like Jim's going to be such a draw, like, oh, we can't, you know, WCW is going to get this huge star from us. So, you know, cutting Jim was no big deal to them. But if they had gotten, if WCW had gotten their hands on Owen, they might have been able to do something with him, you know? Yeah. And so I think they saw value in keeping Owen. But they, they embarrassed him. They had an opportunity to make him a main eventer against Sean because... You know, after Montreal, he would have been the top baby face in the co- company next to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he was feuding with Triple H and the, the right. The, the IC, he took yeah the the IC title matches between the two of them from from almost what six seven months there. You ran through WrestleMania 14. It ran through you know I think a SummerSlam round around in there. It was just an unbelievable feud. But they had an opportunity there. Had instead of. That Royal Rumble, 98, where Sean ultimately got injured with The Undertaker. The Undertaker had already been shifted off. Kane had already interfered at Bad Blood 97. Yeah. So you already had a new focus for Undertaker. Yeah. And you could have had... You basically just had to had to ride him over onto that side. You had to ride through Royal Rumble to get him set up to start building for WrestleMania. Well, I think you could have had Owen in that spot against Sean at Royal Rumble. And he might oh, not agree. have gotten injured. I agree. And because then you could have you could have had Kane and Undertaker, Kane versus somebody else, and or Undertaker versus somebody else at Rumble, and Kane interferes again. Yeah. If you really want to save it for WrestleMania, I don't. You know, did it need to be saved for WrestleMania? I'm not sure, but you know, um, uh, I do. I actually think so because that was such a, a you know. Well, it was Undertaker finally getting the win. Well, the angle though at Rumble to set Taker's casket on fire or whatever. You know, that could have been done with anybody. So that match that Sean wrestled was really all for naught because it was all about the angle. Yeah, the nothing end. against Kamala, but it could have, they could have <laughs> yeah. brought Kamala in. Or they, they could have, put, yeah. yeah, it could have Jim been. Jim the Anvil Nightheart right. could have fought right. Undertaker for yeah. no reason. Yeah, it could have been anybody. So I really think they missed an opportunity with Owen. But but I, I fond memories of, of Nightheart for me is the muscle, like he was. And uh, Bulldog was the muscle of the of the heart felt not really, like, yeah he had muscles, but in my mind the workhorse and the 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 true block solid block guy was was Jim the Anvil Nightheart. And did you know how he got the name Anvil? No, I don't. I don't know the Anvil nickname. That was given to him before he even got into wrestling. Was that from shot putting? It was from shot putting. He actually used to practice throwing a miniature anvil instead of a shot put ball so Stu Hart seeking publicity for anvil promised $500 to enter and win an anvil toss the Calgary Stampede he did he threw it 11 feet 2 inches and that earned him the anvil and that, that that nickname stuff, and that was before he had really made his mark in in wrestling well yeah that was still, still in Stampede, uh, Stampede yeah, yeah. So, and, well, his nickname before that wouldn't have worked out because it was the animal. There was already plenty of animals in yeah. uh, pro wrestling. So. Right. But he was a guy with his problems throughout the years. Uh, a lot of the same problems that Bulldog had, even up until 2010 had. In 2010, he faced charges of possession of controlled substances and stolen yeah. property. Went to rehab with two stints paid for by the WWE. Uh, he spent six months in jail in 2012. 
So uh, even even in his later years, still had some of the reoccurring problems, but was featured on Total Divas. Seemed like a really nice guy. Seemed like a really fun uncle, is well, see, what it always seemed like to me. I only met the man one time, and that was at X, at uh, at um, WrestleCon in Orlando when we were there. And uh, I got a picture with him and just talked with him for a minute. And he, he seemed like a really nice guy. I Unfortunately, I don't. I mean, it wasn't. It was just more like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. Really, you know, liked what you did work-wise and things like that. It wasn't an in-depth conversation with the man i never had that but he just seemed like a very nice guy and even you know seeing the line of people that were going up to him he was giving them all the time they wanted and and just just you know really caring individual you know in total divas it was shown that you know it was shown you know they're thinking about putting you in the video game but you got to get clean and they you know so it, it had been publicized on numerous occasions about his problems and well, so, and even when they had matches like against her and Charlotte, it was Brett in her corner and not the Anvil, and yeah. that didn't make a lot of sense, you know, right? Storyline wise, but it's sad that him and Vader both passed away, you know, in their sixties this year. You know, when they had plenty of time to put them in the WWE Hall of Fame, you know, both of these the Hart guys, Foundation as a whole should have already been in the Hall of Fame, and Owen Hart should already be in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's an issue between Martha and the company. But Anvil definitely has a tag team. But see, you've gotten... Since Flair is the only two-time member, though, now they have to say, okay, well, next up is Hogan with the NWO, and then next up... So now we have a precedent of who, you know, can be a two-timer. You know, like a... And so if they put Brett in twice, it's going to be a while before Brett gets in twice. You know, and I don't think Anvil will go in as a single star. I feel like... See, you're right. But I also feel like he's worthy. His career as a whole is worthy because he was, after Brett broke out... The new foundation. The new foundation with Owen. Then he was the workhorse behind Owen's push against Brett. I mean, he really was a solid there that he doesn't get the credit for for being that on-screen, you know, solid mouthpiece. Involved, and even got involved in the uh, the cage match at SummerSlam, you know, to cause... Yeah, he was. Uh, he sat in the third row during the match, and then right. after Brett won, Neidhart entered the cage, locked it, and Owen and him beat Brett down. Yeah. So, so I mean, he did multiple things for to help the the Hart family as a whole stand out. Yeah, I feel for Natty. Um, Didn't it always strike you as weird that a guy with, with the last name Neidhart married a woman with the last name Hart? Isn't that weird? That was kind of yeah. It's weird. I don't. I don't know. And why Jimmy Hart just happened to just have happened that. to have the last name to manage the Hart Foundation in the eighties always made me laugh. It's weird. Yeah. yeah, it's weird how things work out. But uh, yeah, rest in peace, uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Absolutely. Uh, what else do you have for us from the news desk this week? I'm pissed. Why? Why are you upset? Because you watched this pay per view with me? <laughs> no. Oh. WWE 2K19. That's right. Flare edition. The Woo edition. Diamonds are forever. And so is the nature boy Ric Flair. The Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Put on your alligator shoes and celebrate one of the greatest superstars of all time with the WWE 2K19. Woo! Edition. With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in 
my life. It's going to be fur coats, long limousines, radiators, that's a lot. Revisit historic Ric Flair rivalries from over the years against the likes of the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Macho Man Randy Savage, The Undertaker, and more. You'll be able to walk that aisle in style and profile like only Nate can with magnificent downloadable attires and an exclusive Starcade 83 arena. But wait, there's more. You too can own a piece of greatness. Each edition includes a limited edition commemorative plaque featuring an authentic piece of one of Slick Rick's legendary robes. It's not Slick Rick anymore, it's how slick is Slick Rick. To be the man, you've got to beat the man. And you will be the man with this exclusive, individually numbered Ric Flair WWE Hall of Fame ring. Take a ride on Space Mountain with this collectible Ric Flair styling and profiling Funko doll, custom made from head to toe. Gain access to thrilling downloadable content with the WWE 2K19 Season Pass. Packed with additional superstars, movesets, and much more. And as an added bonus, take your flair with you on the go with exclusive Rick and Charlotte flair content for WWE Supercard. Supplies are limited, so pre-order now and celebrate the legendary, incomparable career of the Nature Boy Rick Flair. They did uh, thirty thousand copies, which that has that didn't come out till just recently. That only thirty thousand copies were going to be available, or if it was, I didn't realize that because I went to GameStop. It's been out like three weeks, right? Well, the announcement. Yeah, I didn't even know a release date. I just heard the announcement. It was announced like three weeks ago. So I go to GameStop and I want to reserve my copy. Uh, So we're no longer taking uh, reservations for that. Why, though? It's been three only three weeks. You reserve games like fucking months in advance. Perfect example, Red Dead Redemption 2 that you and I were talking about that they've pushed off for two and a half years now. Yeah. They've had my money reserved for it for two and a half years now. I wait three weeks and oh my god, I can't get a fucking copy of the Woo edition that I want. (laughs) Well, it does seem silly to me that, I mean, take the orders and then produce what they order. Thank you. That, I mean... Or, or crazy thought here just make more you know how much flair is loved by wrestling fans galore 30 for 30 had the was the highest rated 30 for 30 i think they ever did with flair flair's you know just recently with his health problems all he has been in the spotlight even with rap songs and things like that just within this past year alone okay so you know the spotlights on this man you see, over just publicity, while it has been the people, that the tweets and all this, the numbers and the numerous amounts of people that are supporters, that should automatically, light bulb, go, damn, 30,000 copies isn't going to be enough. Well, especially for what you're selling them for, too. Like At 130 bucks, if everybody wanted that, I'd make a copy for every single person. Make it the only edition. Yeah. And then, yeah, just count your money yeah why i mean it that makes i i don't know it makes no fucking sense to me so i ran into this problem once before with the hogan edition a couple years back and 
I went through Wally World. Anyone who knows Wally World knows that it's actually Wall with an M-A-R-T. So, and they screwed me. They came back after they took my money. Date comes. I paid next day delivery. Didn't show up. Call. Oh, well, we're sending you a letter in the mail. Excuse me? Well, yeah, you uh, unfortunately don't. Uh, we didn't have enough to fill your order. So we're having to refund your money. Now, I went to WWE.com. I bought my Woo edition. WWE tries to pull that shit on me. I'm going to be one pissed off Patrick Young. That's all I'm saying. Uh, in an age when video game companies are always looking to make the extra buck or whatever. Like, like I say, I usually don't bite on these limited edition things. You don't. Cause, special edition. Because when was the last WWE game you bought when it came out, the year it came out? Oh gosh, that's been a long time. Uh, probably shut your mouth. Or here comes the pain. So probably, uh, actually, I bought SmackDown versus Raw like 2006. So okay, so that was years. the last. That was the last game you actually bought on the release date. Yeah, you've gifted me some over the years, and I picked up some pre-owned for afterwards. Very cheap. Yeah. yeah, but no, this was the one that made me bite. Yeah. So. That's what I'm saying. If it, it a hardcore, like hell no, I'm not spending that kind of money for a game. I'll just wait a couple of months. A hardcore guy like that, that uh, like you are, if you're biting at it, and you know they fucking know that people are going to bite on this, why would you not make more than thirty thousand copies worldwide? Not only that, but you're also like. The scalpers are going to get a hold of a lot of those copies. Oh, my copies. God. I got out on eBay just looking when, after I had my run-in with GameStop on that ship. And eBay, man, they were already three, $400. And I'm going, holy shit, I'm not paying that. Sorry. Like, yeah, I'm you f- could buy a whole new uh, system for that. Yeah. It's like, dude, I, you know, I want it, and I want it bad, but I'm not dropping $400 for, for it. But you got it ordered through WWE.com. Now, so if they try to all... if they try to screw me, you'll know about it. You'll be you can warn the fans ahead of time. Hey, listen, the first hour of our upcoming show is going to be nothing but Patrick bitching. Well, I mean, even I placed my order with uh, GameStop, and even in the fine print it says, "Well, we can cancel your order and just if we don't get enough, like order subject to change or whatever." And it. You know, I'm not actually charged until it ships, so who knows? I might, I might be on here screaming about it too. So uh, it just remains to be seen. But you can have some of the Choshkis from it because I told you I didn't care much for. I hate those phone co-pop things because they all look the same. I know that's the whole point behind them, but those little figures with the the beady eyes and the the Hey Arnold heads. And all that shit. I, I never like those things because they don't look like the characters. Like that not, not that's like, a great Ric Flair action figure you have sitting right there, Patrick. That looks like fucking Ric Flair. The definitive moments, Ric Flair. Yeah. And that's not what those Funko figures look like. No, of anything. They look like little cartoon versions of it. It looks like if a kid said, Draw me Ric Flair and okay and drew a cartoon and yeah. I just I know that people love them and collect those things, but I don't see I just, why. I don't like them. And I don't collect them either. I don't have them. By the way, action figures are so much more detailed now than when we were kids. Oh yeah, yeah. I've even I mean, even like the eight and nine dollar ones you can get like still are more detailed than oh what, definitely what we used to have. Well, especially now that Mattel's taken over from uh, the, the previous company. I think Jacks made them before that. Yeah. Like, but 
Uh, since Mattel's taken over, yeah, yeah. Even the eight or nine dollar basic, yeah, whatever. It still looks way better than what we had in even in the late nineties. Yeah. Even when wrestling was super hot, like oh, the definitive moments figures. I still say twenty bucks for a definitive moments figure or twenty five. That like it's worth it because some of these figures are just so detailed to scale. It's unbelievable. But the rest of the Chashkis in the thing, the pieces of robe. I don't. I don't care about pieces of robe, man. And I don't care about. The framed portrait of him and Charlotte. Like I'm not gonna. That's like that, it's autographed, not, right? You get an you get a flare autograph. I don't know what's on it, but uh, the, the only thing in there that to me that seemed cool was the fake Hall of Fame ring, and that just well, that's seemed, your only way you're gonna make it in the Hall of Fame. So well, it's true. Yeah. Well, it seems certain. I mean, Vader didn't even make. I'll have to just ship it to Vader's family. Oh, I guess. See uh, that? Mm, no, I mean it's too, too soon, dude. Well, no, I'm just saying, you know, uh, a lot of people don't make it. Uh, you can That's just, true. They, they didn't make it to the Wu edition to buy one either, so... I mean, they did a whole storyline in TNA about Abyss getting Hogan's Hall of Fame ring. That is true. The magic ring. Yeah. This thing is powerful. Now, I'm never going to actually wear it, but... Yeah, you will. I want to have it on display. No, I'm... I have a class ring, and I won't wear that. I'm not going to wear a Hall of Fame ring. You're going to wear it to the radio station and all that stuff. Of course, yes. All the ladies love that. You will. I know you will. Evolution is a mystery. Is a mystery. It's a change no one sees. It's usually a buff guy, and then a, a real, you know, young. It's three buff guys and an older buff guy. Yeah, but this time, it's buff women. No guys. Buff women? Would you say that? Not really buff it's women. What would you? Female athletes are now. Female athletes. Female Evolution athletes. has evolved from four male athletes into a whole roster full of female athletes. Yes. It's quite an evolution. It is. And it's happening in October. It is. Before they go to Saudi Arabia where they're not allowed to wrestle. I was letting you, I wanted you to, I was giving you free range to throw that one in there beforehand. Uh, NXT Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn is where SummerSlam has been held uh, the past several years now. And uh, the takeover last night, so the people in the arena walked around and they previewed what was coming to Evolution. And they saw the the card. Trish Stratus Mm -hmm. and Alexa Bliss. Okay. That sounds like a match. I think it's a waste of Trish Stratus because I, Alexa Bliss is a fantastic character. She is uh, great on the mic. She, she she is the first and also by the way, WWE champions. The the uh, game for your phone. They are now putting women in the game. You get her for free if you log in right now. Wow, as the first woman. Well, uh, I feel like she. Everything except her in-ring work is spectacular. And I hate that they're going to waste a Trish Stratus return to face her. I mean, they're going to bring back other people. Oh I've heard God, rumors dude. about Michelle McCool being back again. Lita's going to be back. You'll have Tori Wilson. Well, I don't know that all of them are going to be wrestling, but no, I think but a bunch of them will be in attendance. They will but... be there in some way. Now, I'd like to see Victoria wrestle. I'd like to see Molly Holly wrestle. I don't think they're going to do that, though. I just don't... I think that those two, as well as Trish, are... are, are, And Lita. I think Lita needs to come back and wrestle for the the pay-per-view. I mean, you're you're talking about a three-hour all-women's pay-per-view, though, so you're going to have to pull... Yeah, but they've got three title matches plus a tournament final, so you have to figure those are going to be lengthy matches. So... You've got some filler in there, and plus, like we've speculated, you know, the tag team titles 
or a mid-card women's belt are still possibilities. So, And you've got plenty of those Mae Young Classic competitors, NXT competitors. SummerSlam, Asuka's not even on the card. So you have this roster full of women, female she, athletes. Her, her, she's been beaten. That's so, it, I mean, yeah. Let's, let's Who cares, yeah. Goldberg, throw her in the back of the line. Who gives a shit now? Yeah, she just... <laughs> Another like, face in the crowd. Nia Jax hasn't been. I haven't seen her in weeks. You know, either. I haven't either. That is true. I haven't seen Nia. They're three hours on Monday. They're two hours on Tuesday. And they're one hour on Wednesday. They can't even feature all their women talent. So there's going to be plenty of spots for whoever. I'm sure there's going to be a battle royal with everybody that's not included. So I feel like they have dropped the ball with Becky Lynch. And she hasn't really gotten the push that she should have gotten the way the likes of Bailey, Charlotte and Sasha Banks has and I love the way she works and I feel like she should have already been given much more than what she's gotten well I think uh, they've really dropped the ball with Bailey and Sasha like Charlotte oh recently uh, absolutely Charlotte's the only one that they've protected out of those four out of their four best female wrestlers Charlotte is the only one that they've protected and the rest of them are just lost in the shuffle I got a question for you we're on Evolution. Are we going to get Ronda Rousey and Charlotte for the very first main event women's, all-women's pay-per-view? Or are we actually going to save that for the WrestleMania moment that we all want to see? No, I think you definitely save that for WrestleMania for two reasons. Because that's the biggest matchup for Ronda. Oh, yeah. I mean, since they let Charlotte beat Asuka, then that tells you that gave me all the direction that I needed. But then the other reason I think is because I don't think Rhonda is going to be around long term. I think Rhonda wants to start a family. I think Rhonda wants to get out of really wrestling fairly quickly. I think that she wanted to do this to prove to herself and to doubters and maybe to even, you know, the memory of Rowdy Roddy Piper that this was something that she wanted to do, prove that she could do it and then get out. And make a lot of money in Hollywood and maybe pop in and out like The Rock or Batista or, you know. But I don't think she's going to be a regular performer for many years down the line because uh, she recently got married. She's talked about wanting to start a family. And, I mean, you can take, you know, maternity leave and come back. I mean, Serena Williams, for example, just came back from maternity leave and almost won Wimbledon. So you can... You can do that. She wants to be a great pro wrestler. And I think she's already, in, in the few matches she's had, she's proven that she has, she has what it takes. Yeah. Absolutely. Her role at Evolution, I don't think they do Charlotte and her there. I think Charlotte at SummerSlam will get the SmackDown belt back. Uh, we'll probably face Becky, uh, because that would be the two best friends explode. They finally uh, have to fight each other. That's been a one, the one continuous thing of these two being friends, so I think that's the direction for the SmackDown title. One more question, and we can move on. If you're saving it for WrestleMania... Then Charlotte has to win the Royal Rumble. Do you keep Charlotte as the SmackDown Women's Champion and Ronda as the Raw Women's Champion and have the ultimate women's match? It can be a non-title match, but it's champion versus champion. The belt has to be on the line. But really? You think so? And they're not going to merge titles, and they're not going to have a dual champion that travels. Um, Do you think the belt does have to be on the line? Oh, yes. Yes. Like, 
I think Charlotte will win it at SummerSlam. She'll drop it at Evolution to Becky, and then she'll be freed up to win the Rumble and and then choose to face Ronda. They've reestablished it now. Whoever wins, they can choose whichever brand's title See, they want I feel to go. Like, I, I feel like Ronda needs to go in the challenger. Well, going the, in the champion just doesn't really work for me. That is true. I mean, the it doesn't make the me, thrill is in the chase, of course. Right. It doesn't make me go, oh, well, you know. But who is going to take it off of her before, and then she has to win the Rumble? I mean, who... I mean, Who's what, Nia Jax she, or we're, something? We're assuming she wins it tonight. But you can only win the title the first time once. I guess you can win the SmackDown title one time, you know, the first time once, too, I guess. See, I disagree. Once you win the title, you've won the title. Whether it's Raw, whether it's SmackDown. Once you've won the title... Once you've been there, nobody gives a shit about the universal title. Everybody remembers the WWE champion. Well, because the lineage is there with that. Nobody gives a shit about the SmackDown women's title. Nobody gives a shit about the Raw women's title. They give a shit about their first women's title. Period. Damn it be Raw or SmackDown. The hell with that. You finally reached that mountaintop for the first time ever. That's all people are going to remember. It doesn't matter one way or another. Maybe you have Ronda win the title here at SummerSlam. The Raw title runs through the roster and then says, I'm vacating this because I've beaten everybody. The here. Goldberg scenario I threw up to, yeah. Say, listen, you know, I'm, I'm undefeated. I've, you know, I'm vacating this thing. Well, that's what they did with Asuka in NXT. They, she yeah. was never defeated in NXT and then they she just dropped it and moved to the main roster. Yeah, so they could just, she could say, I've beaten everyone here. On to the next one. Still, it goes right back to what you said. You can only win your first title once. Uh, last but certainly not least, brother. I got one thing to say to all you guys that don't accept my apology, brother. That's not being part of the brotherhood, dude. Well, you know what's not being part of the brotherhood, Hulk Hogan? It's when you shut down starting a wrestling union or getting benefits for the boys because... <laughs> you're the highest paid guy or getting creative control in your contract or you know not working main events or changing the main event finish on the fly or demanding you're the champion that's not really part of the brotherhood either there uh hulkster if hulk hogan was one of these guys that just fell in line and and just was always a company guy if he was the undertaker saying something like that maybe i'd give him some leeway but this dude <laughs> this dude is all has always been about himself and Hulkster number one. Yes and no. He cares about the business because that's what fuels his income. But right, that's the only reason that's he cares. He doesn't care about. It's like Brock. This is, oh, okay. Well, I'm really gonna piss people off now. It's like Brock. Brock only cares about wrestling because it's it's how he gets paid. He doesn't give a shit about the fans. He doesn't give a shit about wrestling. He doesn't care. No, but I think that's what. But I don't think, unlike Hogan, who pretends to. Care. Hogan pretends to care. Brock has never pretended to care. That's that's why I respect Brock for being Brock. Because See, I don't. I respect Hogan for at least trying. No, because yeah. I'd rather I'd rather not be lied to. Yeah, Hogan different. tries to lie to people, does the ear wave, does the pose, and tries to be a man of the people. He's See, not a man I, of the people. I think Hogan actually deep down is a wrestling fan, but he's going to take care of himself first. Yeah, well, but Brock just saw money, period, and that's that. Well, yeah, that's but that's fine, but that's his. That was always in his character. He never came out. There was never a Brock Lesnar promo where he said talked about how much he loved the business or 
he's never been that guy. And so I just, I respect it more. I respect honesty more than Hulk Hogan's buffoonery. And did, uh, did we're on Brock, so just for a minute here. Did you, uh, did you like or dislike the, uh, the beatdown that Brock did to, uh, to Roman on Raw? Did you see it with, uh, Oh, I did. I well with, with Heyman. It it, it it made you think Heyman was going with uh, with Roman. And well, the fact that Roman even read the letter that that Heyman gave to him, to me, they really they really fucked this whole thing up. Like because because the crowd the crowd kind of bit on that. They were they were actually getting some pretty serious cheers for the fact that Heyman was going to go with Roman. You know, in the build for that, there, there was some bite on that. For the well, yeah, but then they immediately squash they it. it. Yeah, a babyface would instantly take a piece of letter from a, a heel manager and just toss that aside. You know, Sting would not take a piece of paper from Paul Heyman and give it a second thought. Well, John Cena's not going to take sat a there piece. and read it, and then Heyman says some bullshit and some Owen. And, oh right, yeah, and so and he's like all shocked and stuff. Then Heyman pepper sprays his ass. Oh, right. You maced him. <laughs> he That's and right. Dude, he maced the shit out of but, him at this point in time. And but see, what doesn't make sense about that, though, is Roman was reading this letter like he was actually considering whatever it That's said. That's the thing. Is they were, so why would I mace you if you're considering you're about to be my client? I'm about to swerve you. Right. You know? Right. Like, the crowd bought on. I, I was buying into it. I actually got a little bit excited, and I was like, fuck, this they're finally going to do what I say. Put put Heyman with him. You don't have to turn him heel, but you, Heyman will make him turn heel. It'll well, work. Well, joining Paul Heyman makes you a heel. It'll yeah. work. It will work. And so I got well, a little... So why not just mace him right off the bat? Why I even give him the letter? And why would a babyface even... Like I said, John Cena is not going to sit there and read this letter and be like, hmm, yes, this seems like a very good offer. Oh, I'm getting maced. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. He would just take the letter and throw it aside. Yeah. Because he's a hero. Yeah. But maybe they're teasing something else. But uh, the beatdown, the beatdown proved me though that they're not going to get the reaction they want on Sunday. Because when yeah. the crowd's chanting one more time for another F five to Roman Reigns, and this is Brooklyn, this is hardcore wrestling fans. Yeah. You gave them a takeover on Saturday that was phenomenal, and a lot of those guys are coming back on Sunday. And they aren't fucking around. They're not. They're not kids, and they're not. It's not. It's. It's not Chattanooga fans. It's not you know Atlanta fans. Atlanta wrestling fans are forgivable on a lot of shit. Okay, Philadelphia and Brooklyn fans are Philadelphia, hardcore. Brooklyn, Chicago. There are certain markets where you they don't fuck around. You give yeah, them what they want, or they're going to demand you give them what they want. To even hear the reaction from the crowd one more time for one more F five tells you. After, just, after he just got maced, like this guy was getting assaulted. Literally right. got maced. <laughs> we're, we're supposed to feel sorry E&Ts for this guy. are down there trying to clean his eyes out. He can't see. He just got maced, and I mean like seriously maced. And then he just, he's getting physically assaulted. Like, but then the crowd loved it. The crowd's eating that shit up, man. So that means you're not, yeah. Your storytelling is really fucking bad. Because you're not giving, you know... Going in tonight, Roman is going to be hated so bad. Well, I just think the match is going to be hated so bad because we've seen it so many times yeah. already now. And well, it got to the point. It's like 
Cena and uh, Orton. How many fucking times did we end up? Going well, we that? haven't been twenty-two times with uh, like Cena and Orton. But when they had Lashley feuding with Roman, at least Lashley would have been a fresh matchup for Roman Reigns. They both have the MMA background. They've done a terrible job with Bobby Lashley. We didn't get Lashley and uh, and Lesnar. No, I know that's what I'm saying. They could have done that though. They had yeah. the opportunity because Lashley beat Roman at the pay per view, right? Yeah. And so. But then lost a tournament, you know, a number one contenders match on Raw. They, and now he's like, now he's not even booked in a match. He's doing a thing with Elias. So he's not even on this card tonight, Bobby Lashley. You could have had a fresh matchup with two MMA guys. They could have had a great story to tell, like, Brock's been dodging me all these years in an MMA. Like, I've been fighting my way through... Uh, I tried taking him on here in, in wrestling. He didn't want to take me on. He dodged me in he WWE. Dodged, he dodged me and went to football and then went to MMA. So I, I chased him. I went to MMA. Yeah, he dodged me he in New dodged Japan. Me in, yeah, he dodged me in New Japan. He dodged me in MMA. He do, he comes back over here dodging me from it. So uh, but I finally got I'm him. Here, I'm here now. Yeah. They could have really built on this. That's true. And That's even very though... true. I mean, they've done such a terrible job with Lashley that he's not in a position to do that. But I'm just saying, for a fresh matchup, and between two guys, like, they never got the Batista-Brock Lesnar matchup they wanted. Two muscle-bound, you know, gear. But these two guys are legit wrestlers, legit MMA guys, similar builds. This would have been a much better receive match, and it would have been fresh. Yeah. And then they could have Roman beat Lashley at the very next pay-per-view and get exactly where they wanted to go. Yeah. But now they know Brock's leaving, and now we're never going to get it. It's it's sort of like Undertaker and Sting. We have Sting for a moment. We have the Undertaker here. We have the capabilities. We're not going to no, give no, it up. No, just... Well, think about it. But no, we'd rather have an NWO reunion and a DX reunion and just do it with Triple H instead. And have the NWO help out Sting, who hated the NWO, yeah. by the way. Yeah, who was never a part of NWO Black and well, White. Yeah, he was part of the Wolfpack, but yeah. Some matches they just... Well, and Swing and a Miss, I mean Ric Flair and Hogan from back in the day. They just have these... That is true, because they, they missed that chance, and WCW jumped on it. Speaking of WCW, it was my pick this week, and we decided to go back and revisit some more Rick Rude, as I'm on a big Rick Rude kick as of late. And we went back to 1992, where we've been... In WCW, a lot in 1992. We've been to Wrestle War. We've yeah. been to Great American Bash. We've oh, been yeah. to Beach Blast. We, I'm pretty sure we did a Clash of Champions from 92. We did. We've seen a lot of stuff from 1992. And we did a Halloween Havoc from 92, I believe. I don't think we're there yet. Jake Roberts and Sting. That's, I think, oh, spin, the spin, spin the wheel, wheel make, make a, a deal. deal. Yeah. That's still to... Uh, we've left that on the back Cole burner. Miner's glove and yeah. fucking Cobra. We did a Clash of Champions that teased that pay-per-view, I think, but we didn't actually do that. Okay. So, uh, this is the pay-per-view following Wrestle War, which was uh, War Games, and it was the Dangerous Alliance versus Sting Squadron, and uh, one of the most vicious things that happened in that match was Rick Rude taking on Ricky Steamboat. I mean, they I think Rude was giving Steamboat pile drivers in the middle of the two rings in that gap there. Yeah. I mean, it was... Very vicious between these yeah. two, so I guess that's what the feud stems from. I'm pretty sure we saw them wrestle in a Clash of Champions, we did. and I was very disappointed in that match. That it match was. stunk it up. But tonight, they are billed for an Iron Man Challenge match. 30 minutes. Not 30 long. minutes, yeah, we don't have an hour. We don't have an hour to give to you. We've got to give a 30 minutes to a tag team match, and we've got to give 30 minutes 
you know, to a bikini contest. That's what I was just about to say. Okay, yeah. Well, don't even get me started on that shit. That was a joke. The tagline for Beach Blast before it was bashed at the beach was, World Championship Wrestling Beats the Heat. This is June 20th, 1992. that's That's a bad tagline. It is, yes. This is June 20th, 1992 in the Mobile Civic Center in Mobile, Alabama, a uh, town that suffered from WCW closing, because I doubt WWE will ever run a pay-per-view in Mobile, Alabama. But Dangerous Alliance, there's a special uh, special connection there with your Dangerous Alliance member. Oh, why is that? Bobby Eaton. Oh, I see. We're at the Mobile Civic Center in front of 5,000 people here in 1992. The show took place only four days after Clash of the Champions 19. Oh. And then uh, we had, this is a Saturday night, so we had a uh, show coming up on Sunday, and then another Clash was right around the corner because they were promoting that too. Yeah. Then Great American Bash next month, so WCW had a really stacked uh, few weeks of uh, programming here in uh, the summer. It was a good time to be a WCW fan. It was, in 1992. They had a lot going for them. Pre- pre-arrival of all the WWF guys. So. Scotty Flamingo. Do you know this man? We'll talk about Scotty Flamingo. <laughs> There's only one way to catch the Sizzlin' Slam Fest. It's WCW Beach Blast. Tony and Eric Bischoff in a Hawaiian shirt. I can barely hear Eric over the loudness of his shirt because, man, this man knows a Hawaiian shirt. And Tony Schiavone, by the way, is tiny here. This is the skinniest Tony Schiavone. This is after his failed WWF run. I guess he got really depressed, quit eating for a while, and he was smaller than Bischoff He's here, lost I think. Light. Yeah, he was uh, in, in great shape here in 1992. They are the hosts, of course, as this is when WCW would have the hosts and then the commentators. The event host, yeah, and then you got play-by-play commentators. Now, do, bef- you, do you miss that about wrestling? Would you like to have that back? Because you kind of had that with the guests, well, Raw GM type deal. We've kind of got that now with the panel, because the pre-show That's panel. True. Because they'll, that is true. They'll fill time cutting back to the pre-show panel during the show. That is true. That's very true. So they've kind of done this, but I hate the pre-show panel because it's... You give your scripted response, you give your scripted response. Yeah, let you people give- talk normal. Don't I, I hate scripts, but... yeah. Okay. Unfortunately for us, instead of just Tony and Eric talking about the show, oh, here comes Cowboy Bill Watts to hype up the card that he booked. Please take the mic away from this man. Oh, Lord, and he never shuts up. Let's hook him up. I'm so excited for all the wrestling fans all over the world. This high-impact, tough contest among a bunch of great athletes. We're starting out with the world's light heavyweight championship, and we're ending it up with the world's tag team championship. I want to say one thing. I always believed in the world's junior heavyweight championship, and now it's so exciting to be able to watch the light heavyweight championship because these guys are lighter, quicker. They have to use more technique than the super heavyweights. Another thing is the Iron Man contest. You know, we're laying down strict rules and regulations, but the fact remains when a group or two individual wrestlers want to settle something, and they come to the table and they say, we would like these stipulations where they're both agreeing to them. We believe in letting them settle it. But I have a little surprise for those people because this is an Iron Man challenge where the most falls, the guy that wins the most falls is the victor. We are going to ban Paulie Dangerously and Medusa from ringside. It's going to be settled between Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Rick Rude. I want to say one other thing. 
the Falls Anywhere match. No disqualification. Anything goes between Sting and Cactus Jack. There will be Falls Anywhere on the coast, anywhere in the building. Again, those stipulations they both agreed to, so those rules are all been waived. It's just the best man's going to win. Now let's hook him up. He goes on about every single fucking match. He's very proud of his work. He's very proud of his work. Give me a couple bullet points and send it to the ring. Don't fucking sit there and... Dude, I was Filling like, time, yeah. He started off and I was like, oh, that's going to be a great match. All right, great match. Go. No. Okay, great match. All right. A great... All right. Okay, fucking Bill, shut up. Bill, yeah. shut up. Like, he gives us such great information. Like, it turns out light heavyweights are lighter than heavyweights, Patrick. Yeah. Some of the great knowledge. And not does. only that, you can't go over the top rope and you can't come off the top rope. Well, rules are rules. I mean, these are Bill Like, Watson. Not only is he saying this, where this could be described or explained before the match, he's given this whole fucking thing, he's giving the rules for each individual match. Time limits. I mean, Time he's... limits. The evening gown, how the people, the fans are going to get to actually <laughs> oh, yes. call in and place votes as well. Like, he is giving such detailed accountability for every single fucking match. It got old, man. You, you talk about Finkel going on and on about how the Royal Rumble works every damn year. It got like that, man. Yeah, Bill Watts should not have been allowed near the microphone. Uh, we missed a dark match. Junkyard Dog, the Z-Man, and Big Josh beat Tracy Smothers, <gasps> Richard Morton, and DDP in a six-man tag. So, Damn! Sorry. Yeah. Lost My three his- boys, dude! What's up? <laughs> Bill Watts also informs us that Paul E. Dangerously and Medusa are banned from the Iron Man match tonight. Right. Well, Medusa's really busy with that bikini match anyway, so That's right. uh, she can't... I mean, she's not going to be bothered anyway, so... So you know what? Let's hug him up! Gosh. <laughs> False count anywhere means anywhere. No stipulations, which means it's a stipulation. Jim Ross is on play-by-play in a Hawaiian shirt... He's awaiting color commentary with Jesse Ventura. Where's Jesse at? He's on the beach. He's on the entrance, which is a actually, beach. A, actually a beach. A tradition they would continue into the Bash at the Beach years. He's on a beach chair lounging out, surrounded by bikini-clad ladies. And for some reason, he decides, I'd rather go sit by Jim Ross in a Hawaiian shirt uh, than just sit up here all night. I would have loved to see the wrestlers have to walk around Ventura to come with, out. With all, the ladies? Yeah, all night. He's in white shorts and a sleeveless shirt, a do-rag, and his classic signature sunglasses, of course. Oh, man, dude. Those are some fucking 80s glasses. Holy yeah. hell. Jesse's pumped up for Beach Blast. That's right. Scotty Flamingo is out his first. Fucking, his fucking bald-ass head with his rat tail. Yeah, shave all the top of your head, but leave the back. A very interesting idea. A little patch. Not like, you know, just a little fucking patch. It's like, like cut around the bandana, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Dumb and Dumber when he gets the chili bowl and they put a bowl on his head and just cut around it. That's They cut all his hair off and just said, leave anything that the bandana doesn't cover up. <laughs> Scotty Flamingo is out first. Yes, Scotty Flamingo. This was... You know he went through an evolution. He did. He went. Uh, he he changed from a flamingo to a raven. He would become a much darker. But he was also a. Uh, well, he was a jobber in WWF as Scott the Body. Yeah, he was Scott the Body. Then he came to WCW as Scotty Flamingo. Then he went back to WWF as a manager, and he was. All uh, right. He. 
uh, was a rich preppy kid. He yeah. was oh Johnny Polo. Johnny Polo. That's I knew it was Polo <laughs> something. Yeah, so he's Scotty he Flamingo. Had the cane. He was Scotty Flamingo. Then Johnny went, Polo. Johnny Polo. Then he went to none other than what about me? What about Raven? Right. So he he went through an evolution. God Almighty, did he ever? Holy shit! You couldn't tell me that. I mean. I couldn't tell you they were the same people. No, you, you have to du- you have to double take even now as Scotty Flamingo and be like, is that really? And if because he doesn't even look it. No, and totally different body type. Oh yeah, just totally everything in his hair. He he almost looks like uh, he looks like Carlito almost yeah. here. He's very tan, big and, like boof, pushy. You know, yeah. Hair. He's got his fro. He's gonna take on Flying Brian, who is fired up and gets a warm welcome. Okay. <laughs> We've got a big mismatch here uh, right away. Bitch fest for a second. Light heavyweight. Yeah. When you think of light heavyweight, what do you think of? Air- High flying. Yeah. Like a no, can't come off the top rope. <laughs> His name is Flying Brian, and he can't do any flying. Yeah, can't come off the top rope. So no. Sl- oh yeah, and his uh, springboard clothesline. His yeah. finisher. Yeah, can't do that. No. Well, and also, he's taking on Scotty Flamingo, who I don't think has near the talent level he does. So he's got to come down. He's got to come down to Scotty Flamingo's wrestling level. And then he's also got to keep in the back of the mind, I can't do anything off the top. I can't do my regular shit. Yeah. And I've got to come down to this guy's level. Yeah. So he's got a lot going against him in this match. Yeah. Like, really And you does. can see, because... Uh, it shows. It's, it's a terrible match. I'm it's, sorry. It's rough, man. And you would think, low well, light, light heavyweights, how can you go wrong starting a pay-per-view like that? And uh, it quickly goes downhill. They exchange waist locks and hammer locks. Flamingo's mat wrestling just is not up to snuff. <laughs> Raven is not a technical genius. Flamingo bridges out of a couple of hammer lock pen attempts. Johnny B. Bad, by the way, is judging the bikini contest, according what? to JR. Jesse Ventura is pissed he isn't the judge. You know me. me. I was up there with the ladies. That's right. Pillman hits a tilt-a-whirl sunset flip pinfall for two on Flamingo. Pillman puts a short-arm scissors on Flamingo to keep him grounded. Pillman switches it up to an arm bar and works that for a while. Eventually, Flamingo grabs the rope, but the ref doesn't see it. Pillman has had to come down to Flamingo's level, as I mentioned earlier, so it's it's a ground-based. Flying Brian is now a technical wrestling master here. Pillman hits Flamingo with a head scissors, a drop kick, and then Flamingo gets caught in the ropes by his feet, which was really impressive. I didn't know... It's a really hard spot to pull off, I imagine, getting your feet caught to where you hang upside down uh, to the outside of the ring. And Pillman drops him with uh, a drop kick, and he lands on the concrete. Ouch, because we... Another rule of Bill Watts is, We're real, man. No ring mats. And then fucking people are breaking arms and legs and ankles. and Well, and they can't come off the top, so at least they can't do that much damage. But they can still... Concrete still hurts a lot worse than a uh Bill a nice Watts little... did some great things for wrestling, okay? <laughs> WCW was not one of them. Well, I think, yeah, that's widely agreed upon. <laughs> Pillman drops a double axe handle on him off the apron. Pillman goes to the top turnbuckle... But gets launched off by Flamingo. This is not a DQ. If someone throws you off the top, that's fine for some reason. Because it's a defensive move. Oh, I see. Now, if Pillman jumped, he would have been DQ'd. Absolutely. So why didn't he just jump? Because he would have kept his title. This isn't TNA, where DQ, he would have just... That's 
true. Just do it, man. It's true. Get out of here with the belt. That's all that matters. It's true. Flamingo throws Pillman out of the ring and hits a Pescado to him on the concrete, which apparently is fine. The ref seemed to enforce this rule of the top rope uh, going to the outside just uh, here and there. Even Ole Anderson later on tonight, Mr. Fucking Wrestling Rules himself, <laughs> lets this shit slide later on tonight. To a, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah, until he doesn't. <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> it was ridiculous. This would go on all night with the refs and the top rope rule. So anyway, Raven can hit a Pescado. That's fine. Pillman and Flamingo go back in the ring. Flamingo goes on offense for a minute with a snapmare. Hits a second rope fist to the face of a down Pillman that misses by a mile. And Pillman, he sells it anyway because what the fuck. Pillman hits a springboard cross to Flamingo for a two-count. They exchange a few near falls, and Flamingo slaps on a chin lock. And Flamingo uses the ropes as leverage, which I'm not sure you get a lot of leverage by just resting your legs on the rope, but Flamingo seemed to think you did. Ventura actually calls Flamingo's chin lock a rest hold. I've never heard commentators just say, oh, he's putting him in a rest hold now. But Ventura here, phoning it in towards the end of his commentary career, just says... Oh, you're just slapping on a rest. He was pissed because he wasn't doing the bikini contest. That's all. He's mad at Johnny B. Bad. Yes. Flamingo hits a knee lift, misses a stinger splash. Flamingo rakes Pillman's eyes, blatantly chokes Pillman until the ref gets to four, but breaks before he gets to the five count. Pillman locks in a sleeper, but Flamingo dumps Pillman onto the buckles. Both men stagger to their feet and deck each other and hit the mat. The ref is nearing his ten count. Pillman nearly pulls Flamingo's tights off of him, which must have been a Pillman rib. To, to show Scotty Flamingo's ass to the crowd and to try to stop him from beating the 10 count. Pillman then catches a Flamingo axe handle from the second rope with a drop kick, counters it with a drop kick. Forearm exchanges, Pillman hits a spinning heel kick, then takes Flamingo's face to the buckles, does the corner punches, big boots Flamingo, but Flamingo hits a power slam, nearly gets the wind with a handful of tights. Brian then sells, oh, a bad knee. He suddenly got a knee injury for some reason and can't stand up. So Flamingo poses on the second rope, but Pillman hits a belly to back off the second rope, and Flamingo somehow gets a foot on the ropes, despite this should have been the end of the match, but it wasn't. Massive chops from Pillman, a face buster, a clothesline to Flamingo in the back of the head, ouch, and then clotheslines him out to the elevated rampway. Again, this is allowed, but not to the concrete floor, or sometimes it isn't. It just really depends on how the ref is feeling at the moment. Pillman misses a kamikaze dive, which is allowed, apparently, (laughs) to the elevated rampway, but he misses it. This would be his undoing, as Flamingo lands a knees to the ribs off the second rope to the back of uh, Mr. Flying Brian, and one, two, three, Scotty Flamingo somehow was booked to win this match. Wow. I was just and shocked. And wins the light heavyweight championship. A title change. Against Flying Brian. Mr. Light Heavyweight himself, Flying Brian Pillman. Well, I guess they were pretty light in the light heavyweight division. and But, I mean, jeez. I would have rather booked Bagwell here to win. I thought Bagwell showed more promise than... Scotty Flamingo in 1992, but... No, because uh, Bagwell had to wrestle one of the greatest men of all time oh, later God. on this evening. Anyway, that's what I would have done, but this match sucked because, yeah, uh, they were... He was handcuffed by the rules. He was also handcuffed by his opponent, and Brian just couldn't do his thing. He yeah. couldn't get going. Yeah. It, and, was, it was a bad match. Oh, and it went on. It lasted 17:29. That was a rough 17 minutes. I'm sorry, and I can't believe I'm saying that for a Brian Pillman match, but that was 
That was kind of rough to watch. Jesse is still pissed off about the bikini contest. It's three rounds, apparently. Johnny B. Bad. Oh, my God. Your favorite, Mark Marrow. Which... Shoot me now. I thought, okay, I can deal with him one time for a bikini contest. I was like, I can... uh, Not all fucking night. Now you're getting a whole night full of Johnny B. Bad. Oh, Lord, help us. I'm Johnny B. Bad, the bad man of world championship wrestling. Do you know what's better than being a bad man? It's being a beach blast and being a bad man! Are you folks ready for the greatest bikini contest of all times? First of all, let me explain the competition that will be coming out three times. The first time will be in the evening gowns. The second time will be in the bathing suit. And the third time, and it's a bit of teeny weeny bikini. So let's not sit down. Let's get down! Johnny B. Bad is out to MC this thing. Ventura thinks Johnny B. Bad is gay. The crowd gets the Bad Blaster full of confetti and kisses. He cuts a terrible promo and then tells us the rules of the competition. We have one round of evening gowns. Another round of swimsuits and then another round of a teeny weeny bikini. Which is a swimsuit. So you could just come out in what you wore in round two if you wanted to. Yes. Yeah, so this is stupid. So Johnny B. Bad says, okay, let's get down. Woo. You can vote with the 1-900 number, of course. 1-900-909-9900. Kids, get your parents' permission before calling. 99 cents a minute. A vote will take you at least 99 cents, it said. So you're going to pony up a dollar if you want Medusa or Missy Hyatt to win this thing. Missy Hyatt is out first in the evening gown and big 80s hair. My goodness. The camera cuts away to the curtain for some reason as she's walking back, so we don't get to see what whatever happened. I don't know. I think it was just a mispunch. Medusa's out next in a wedding gown for some reason, with her face covered. And the why, crowd. Why'd you that? And the crowd is pissed. And I don't. I guess this was because she was a heel and didn't want to give the fans what they wanted. But so she's she's the manager. She's the valet of the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, but then later on, she participates a little bit in the True. other. Round, so if you're just gonna do this, come out in a bag every time, you know, a potato sack. Sable and well, I don't know Sable, that didn't re- that kinda worked for her in a way, so watch Great American Bash where Sting will take on Vader. I wonder how that'll go. Ron Simmons will be taking on Terry Taylor next. He's gone through an evolution too. Bird evolution on this show. We've yeah. had Flamingo who turned into a raven and we had a chicken turn into a man. A tailor made man. Yeah. Here is ta- Terry Mr. Taylor. Mr. Mr. Taylor made man wasn't so much of a red rooster anymore. No, he was no longer a chicken, he was a man. Tony and Eric preview it as Ron Simmons got the key to the city of Tallahassee, which uh seemed odd since they were in Mobile. The Taylor made man know, I, I liked I I liked this for a second because I've actually thought this myself. What's the point of getting the key to the city? It doesn't do anything for you. I think it's been like Ric Flair Day in Chattanooga before and stuff. It doesn't do anything. For any, it doesn't get. I mean, you. 
what's the point? Just, oh, hey, by the way, we're offering you a key that doesn't... There's someone famous from our town that we... Yeah, if it was an actual key to any building in the city, it would be awesome. But it's yeah. not. No. <laughs> it's just... Like a skeleton a key trophy, that yeah. all doors. It's a, yeah, well, it's like a fake Hall of Fame ring. It's just a prop. <laughs> a tchotchke. The tailor-made man is out first. Uh... To no reaction. Ron Simmons is out next to a decent pop. The tailor-made man here, I said, should wrestle in his suit. I mean, if you are a tailor-made man, you wouldn't get down to a speedo. By the way, our referee here, Fonzie. Bill Alfonso, no whistle. I'm so glad you caught that because I was going to say something at the end of the match. Yeah. (laughs) Taylor accuses Simmons of pulling his ponytail. How dare you, sir? Taylor delivers a stiff right hand to Simmons in the corner. Simmons takes Taylor down with some three-point stance tackles, but then gets taken out to the ramp by Taylor. Simmons press slams Taylor back into the ring, clotheslines Taylor over the ropes, almost directly into JR's lap ringside, which... Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Which would have been a DQ. Fonzie let this go. But also, uh, recently, uh, JR was calling a New Japan show and got, in, uh, got knocked over unintentionally and broke a rib or something. So Really? Yeah, so this was uh, almost a uh, foreshadowing of what would happen to him in 2018. So Really? So he actually did get hurt recently? I did not know this. Yeah, he was uh, calling a New Japan show, and I forget, they were brawling near the guardrail, and they had been telling the wrestlers, don't get near JR or whatever and yeah he got hurt so uh almost got hurt here cause I mean uh oh yeah he, Terry Taylor was almost in his lap yeah like they put the table the announcer's table directly ringside like not next to the guardrail like they are no, they in the timekeeper's position yeah. yeah they butt you up to the ring Simmons whips Taylor into the buckles, bear hugs him. Taylor thumbs Simmons in the eye to escape. Simmons tries to tackle, but flings himself onto the ramp. Jawbreaker to Simmons from Taylor when they get back in the ring. Taylor hits a snapmare and then hits a neck snap on Simmons on the mat. Goes to a chin lock. Backbreaker for a near fall. Uh, huge sidewalk slam from Simmons. And Simmons snaps himself back on it, so he almost hurt himself doing this big sidewalk slam. Taylor beats him to his feet, though, which never should happen when you take a big move like that. Simmons hits a choke throw, a double choke lift and throw. Three big right hands, back body drop, shoulder block, power slam, and Ron Simmons is a babyface monster. He gets a win here. He had a lot of babyface fire. He's not a very good in-ring wrestler, and that's always my really? knock against Simmons. Is... You don't think so? Don't think so, no. Wow, just... I do. I don't think he's very good. I do. Good. I thought he was main event long before they finally put him in that role. I think he was main event. I loved his promo after the match. That snap, first of all, that snap power slam that he hit, oh my god, was beautiful. It was so flowing and so quick, but yet just so graceful. Kudos to him and Terry Taylor. That was outstanding. Literally, that makes you watch this match just to see that one move because that well, is beautiful. I think the idea of getting Simmons over as a big baby face star, this was an excellent match for that. It showcased him beautifully. He is a good baby face here, like, yeah. and especially his post match promo, which I usually don't like because when the wrestlers are tired, they usually don't know what the fuck to say, but you can tell. Uh, he either had a teleprompter or had memorized this all day, but <laughs> his ultimate goal is to be the best. This would of, often be his uh, rallying cries that, you know, he's he's going to be the champion. And the odds are always against him. And you yourself, you can beat the odds. And see, I like this because he made it bigger than just 
me for the title. It, it's about minorities, and he's representing it was all African Americans for, in for the me, country. For me, and you're going to laugh. For me, this was on the scale of hard times. Dusty Rhodes. Ooh, I wouldn't go that far, but because it really was, he was reaching out, saying, "You know what? I'm going to get there, and you're going to help me." Jim Ross, Miles McGold. It's just like it's been in my lifetime. That's to be the best that I can be at everything I do. Ever since I come in this world, people have placed the odds against me. I'm telling you, I'm living proof that you can beat the odds. For all these little people out here, for all those people that are watching TV, no matter what color you are, no matter what color nationality you are, no matter what poverty level you're at, if you're willing to work hard and got the guts to get off your butt, to do something in this world, you can be the best too. Just like Ron Simmons to go be the world champ. All right, Ron, he is, he's got it all, ladies and gentlemen, everything it takes. And what a, what a way to start off Beach Blast. Let's go back up, ladies and gentlemen, to our ring announcer, Tony Gillum. Well, and you can get to whatever and you, you get, want. And once I accomplish that, I'm going to show you that you can do it too. Well, and he delivered it with... It's the uh, same, same scenario. Ric Flair did hard times on the country by taking out Dusty put hard times on people so i to me i put it up there is that i really really love this promo as well well i just i bought into it like simmons delivered it with a lot of authenticity yeah you know it didn't sound it wasn't rehearsed it wasn't it it felt i mean i'm sure he probably did rehearse it, <laughs> yeah. but it felt honest and genuine and really from it the made heart. Well, and it made wrestling seem a lot bigger than it is. Like, this is some sort of social movement that that he's a part of, you know. And then we're along for the ride. So, I really enjoyed that. It was 1992, by the way, so it was a little, uh, you know, past the civil rights movement. But still, uh, wrestling still has a long way to go as far as, uh, you know, I mean, we're just now doing a a women's only WWF pay-per-view in 2018. got We've got some work to do. Marcus Bagwell... Pre-buff. He is not buff yet. He's out next to take on Greg the Hammer Valentine. I just wanted to skip this one, but I did take notes for it. Deep arm drags and a scoop slam from Bagwell to the Hammer. Hammer elbows Bagwell into the back of his neck. Goes for a pile driver, but Bagwell back body drops out of it. Hammer gets an atomic drop and drop kicks from Bagwell before rolling out of the ring to regroup. Greg the Hammer comes back in, chops Bagwell for a while, hits a backbreaker to Bagwell, goes to the second rope for an elbow. Bagwell gets up before he can do it, body slams the Hammer, and then Bagwell drops a knee that misses, so Bagwell injures his own leg, and Hammer works the leg, softens it up for the figure four, calls for the figure four, Bagwell kicks him away, goes for it again, gets inside cradled for a two count. Yeah, Bagwell goes for a backslide, only gets two. Bagwell reverses a snap suplex for two. Bagwell back body drops Hammer for two. Bagwell does a leapfrog and blows his knee out again. Then Hammer drops Bagwell's shin on his knee, locks in the figure four, and Bagwell submits. And yes, this was an ultimate, great, wonderful match. Greg the Hammer Valentine sucks. Uh, I love... How can you say this? He sucks, dude. He's never been good. He's how can you terrible say this? looking. He has no body for wrestling. What? He's not... He looks like he belongs in a different era of history. He's got nothing in the ring. He's got no promo skills. He looks like if Ric Flair went on a bender and uh, just gave up. And that's... Greg the Hammer like Valentine is literally one of the greatest wrestlers. He's he's up there for me. Like, he really is. 
Well, he made Bagwell look pretty good, despite ultimately handing a loss to Bagwell. It sucks here that Bagwell couldn't get a win over the Hammer, who was... Well, Buff doesn't need to... Buff, he's still... He's young, he's green, he still has a lot more to learn. Well, Hammer's winding down, so... It's time to put people. You say over. that, but he was in like '97. <laughs> yeah, I know. Working Nitro. <laughs> Jr. and Ventura remember the Falls Count Anywhere match that we saw a Van Hammer and Cactus Jack that we reviewed on this show. Ended out in the bull ring with uh, with Abdullah. Abdullah the Butcher joined us uh, for that uh, match. Cactus Jack is going to take on Sting here in a non-title match for the no. World's Heavyweight Championship. Wait, no, a non-title match. But the champion wins, right? But, wait, no. Okay, let's so, see. Okay. <laughs> I just... I question this. Okay. <laughs> the first thing is I want to point out is Sting is WCW... Uh, Flair's gone. So Sting is WCW's Hulk Hogan. He is That's their true. number one guy. Do you ever think Hulk what? Hogan would agree to work middle of the card? Hell no. With the belt. Hell no. Fuck no. This was so stupid. Hogan at 97 worked, was dropping... Tag matches and main events. Yeah, but also was dropping the belt to Sting and still was like... Can't do a clean finish. Can't do a clean finish. Fuck working middle of the card. If you can't do a clean fucking finish for this dude, no. So it just blows my mind that Sting... The champion, the guy that you want to sell action figures, T-shirts. Oh, the man, crowd dude. is hot for this guy. Kids, face paint. Kids were face painting. Rat there tails. were signs. There was blonde flat tops, rat tails. The whole night. Sting was running wild through the fans here tonight. Instead of putting this as, as the main event attraction and making it a title match, knowing how it's going to end. Spoiler alert: Sting wins the match. So if Sting's gonna win. Just say it's a fucking title match. What difference does it make? I agree. And this should have gone on last, especially considering, once again, I bow at the feet of Mick Foley here again for just oh my. another guy. Mick Foley is moving into my top ten wrestlers because of these matches we watch, because I always knew the legend of Mick Foley, and people said, oh, he's Cactus Jack back in the day was really good. I didn't watch a lot of this stuff. I didn't come into wrestling until he was already Mankind in WWF right. or whatever. And even then, I saw all the work he did in WWF and continued to, you know, break himself and you're like, to oh the my, benefit oh my of God. Him. Right, you know, even then you're like, oh my god. But for us, and me in general, who were WC, diehard WCW, and it was like 90s, 91, 92, seeing Cactus here, and then also following the tape traders, quote unquote, and seeing his New Japan stuff. FMW. Or his FMW stuff, I mean, in Japan. Dude, he literally is in, he's in my top. It's all about how good you make your opponent look, and he makes everybody he wrestles look like they are just... A million fucking bucks, man. And just like we we already watched Great American Bash 92 a few weeks ago, and we were giving Vader a lot of props, Cactus Jack went above and beyond what Vader did for Sting in that match, and, I mean, this dude, no, I mean, was diving on bare concrete, just for for no title the title wasn't even on the line no there's no reason to go out of middle your middle of the card too not like not you know working main event not hey you know we gotta here's a reason we we gotta make this match stand out you know cause you had a fucking Iron Man match right and you had a 
a grudge match of a tag team title match, which was one of the hottest storylines they had going. So this was not even a storyline match enough to be worthy of. It was one of those throw it on there. We're going to do it. Skip over. No, he put himself through hell to make sure like, hey, you're going to remember this match no matter if I'm starting it off or I'm finishing. JR calls Cactus Jack a hitman and and Jesse Ventura is like, hitman? And he's like uh, clearly a reference to Bret Hart, like trying to get it out of JR. And he's like, no, I'm just saying, you know, people, you know, hire him to do their dirty deeds or whatever. Fonzie is our ref again for this uh, Falls Count Anywhere match. A little hardcore side there. Cactus awaits the WCW champion Sting. Yeah, two future ECWs here. Uh, ECW guys here hanging out. The Stinger is out to a massive reaction. Oh my god! They love him in Mobile, Alabama. I don't know how much was, how many people were in the crowd tonight, but five thousand. Five thousand. It made it sound like twenty thousand. Like they come unglued. And Cactus, he doesn't want to wait to the ring. That's brawl on the ramp. Right. And Sting is like, sure shit, let's do it, man. And the bell rings, and they fight on the ramp. They start the match on the ramp. A backslide to Cactus for a one count from Sting. He back body drops Cactus on the ramp, which I'd rather fall on that ramp than the fucking concrete any day of the week. <laughs> Bulldogs him and then woos to the crowd. He's so fired up. The crowd is so hot for Sting. Misses a Stinger splash, though, which he would find out would be his undoing next month against Vader. <laughs> he misses a Stinger splash to Cactus against the ropes and has to roll to the outside. Cactus then hits his signature elbow off the apron to Sting on concrete. By the way, this is why this man walks with a limp. Swinging neckbreaker to the concrete from Cactus, where he takes the brunt of the impact God. again, gets a two count. This is a non-title match, so why is Cactus doing this? Just because he's a nice guy, just wants to do what's right. He's fucking Mick Foley, that's why. Yeah, he's insane. Cactus hits a sunset flip to Sting on the concrete from the apron and takes the brunt of the impact once again. Sting whips him into the guardrail face first. Cactus gets back body dropped over the railing by Sting. Then Sting slings him into the guardrails again out in the crowd. He suplexes him on the concrete out in the crowd. Cactus gets flung over the guardrail back towards the ring, and Sting woos again. Cactus lariats Sting when they get back into the ring. Cactus delivers a knee to Sting in the corner. Grounds Sting with a body scissors and locks in a chin lock as Mick Foley gets a little technical here. Sting starts hulking up, of course, from Cactus smacking him in the face, which would have gotten me fired up, too, because that <laughs> looked like it hurt. Cactus does his signature clothesline over the ropes to Sting in this concrete floor, but it's loud here because anything goes. Sting clotheslines Cactus, and both men regroup. Cactus grabs a chair and delivers shots to Sting's back. Cactus talks to the chair, hello, Mr. Chair, and then gives a third shot to Sting's back. Ventura can't believe Sting accepted this match before his big match against Vader next month. Wore him down. He, Ventura had a point here. Sting hits a belly-to-belly suplex on the concrete to Cactus Jack, but only gets a two-count. Strikes, near falls on the floor. Mick goes for a pile driver on the concrete, but his knee gave out. So he couldn't do that, because that would have killed Sting. Mick goes on the second rope, tries a forearm to Sting on the concrete, but Sting counters with a strike. Cactus smacks onto the floor again. They battle on the ramp, and Sting slams Cactus. Sting goes, gets the chair, wallops Cactus in the back with it. Not a very face-like thing to do there, Sting. But the chair was used on him first, so I'll give him some leeway. Then hits uh, Cactus in the leg with the chair. Scorpion Deathlock is countered as they both roll off the ramp. Mick hits a double-arm DDT on the ramp to Sting, but Cactus is too tired to roll over and get a cover, so Sting kicks out at two. Sting hits a clothesline from the top turnbuckle to Cactus on the ramp. 
and Sting gets the pinfall victory. And Sting is totally gassed from this match. But what a great match. Oh my god. What another addition of uh, Cactus Jack breaking himself. Arguably match of the night. Absolutely no reason. Oh, definitely match of the night. You you put it okay. Yeah, I'd put it above the Iron Man match. It was it's it was close with that one, and I I actually have to give my props on the tag, I, the the main event. So yeah, an amazing match should have been the main event tonight. Uh, don't know why it wasn't. Don't know why it wasn't the title match. This card is stacked so bizarrely. Uh, there are titles on the line when they shouldn't be. There's titles not on the line when they should be. Uh, Bill Watts, what the fuck, man? Tony and Eric say they've never seen anything like that. They have. They're liars. The Iron Man match is next. Rick Rude has a 19-pound weight advantage. I think he has more than that. Since the match is long, Eric thinks Steamboat has the advantage because he won't gas out as fast as Rick Rude. We'll have to see how that plays out. Rick Rude is out first. He's the U.S. heavyweight champion. Tonight, it's beach-loving bozos keep the noise down while we show us what a real sexy man is supposed to be like. Rude is jacked, and he's in green Ricky Steamboat airbrush tights to... uh, mess with the steamer's head steamboat is out with ricky jr and his wife what a baby face this guy was always coming out with his family family values make ventura want to throw up he says rude i said here should have just decked ricky jr that would have been a heel move just big booted <laughs> ricky steamboat jr wow. i would love that damn you were like a true hard ass <laughs> yeah but steamboat here he does the heel thing starts with his gi on and hits a gut buster to root as the bell rings while his kid's exiting the ring and ventura points out that steamboat kept the kid in the ring to cheap shot root and he's absolutely right so what the fuck dude rude starts selling his ribs from the gut buster and that would be the story of this match Steamboat starts drilling Rude in the ribs, bear hugs Rude, drives some shoulders to Rude before receiving a knee lift. Rude gave Steamboat a broken nose a few months ago. Steamboat slaps on a modified bow and arrow on Rude's injured ribs, just digging his knees into his side. Steamboat puts Rude in a Boston Crab. Steamboat then changes it to a standing Boston Crab. Rude struggles to get to the ropes, but eventually does. Dragon hits an ultimate warrior splash and then drives some knees to the ribs and back of Rick Rude. Steamboat hits a vertical suplex but drops Rude face first to the mat and drops a knee to the back and gets a near fall. Rude catches Steamboat with a knee to the face as Steamboat was charging toward him in the corner and Rude gets a quick pinfall and goes up one to nothing out of nowhere. He had done nothing this whole match and just one knee to the face and that's it. Then hits the Rude Awakening and gets another fall. Uh oh, it's going to be a blowout here. It's two to nothing. Ventura says Rude should just work rest holds now. And he's right. That's exactly what he should have done. Hits a backbreaker to Steamboat, then Rude goes to the top turnbuckle where he knows he's going to get DQ'd, and goes ahead and does it. Hits a knee drop and gets DQ'd, so it's now 2-1, to one, Rick Rude. I said, what a dummy. But then he inside cradles Steamboat, and now it's Rude 3-1. to one. So that was one way to get around the rule, just instantly get your win back. So, no big, no big deal. Two decision lead. Uh, but if this came back to haunt him later on, I guess it would have been really bad, but it didn't. Rude locks in the camel clutch on Steamboat. Steamboat tries to get to the ropes, but Rude breaks the hold. Rude tries to pose for the ladies, but his ribs, oh, they just hurt so bad. He can't do his gyrating. Knees to the back of Steamboat. Rude goes back to the camel clutch. Steamboat takes Rude up to the electric chair and drops Rude. Steamboat tries to splash, but gets knees from Rude. Rude hits a swinging neckbreaker for a near fall. Rude slaps on a chin lock with 15 minutes to go in this match. Steamboat hulks up. But Rude hits another knee lift and Steamboat goes down. 
Root introduces Steamboat's face to the buckles, then rakes his eyes, pile driver for a near fall. Root then tries a tombstone to Ricky Steamboat. Uh, Steamboat flips it over and hits one of his own for a three count. And now it's three to two. Root has one decision over Steamboat after that. Rude rolls out to the apron to regroup. He goes out to the top turnbuckle again, which would have gotten him DQ'd, so that would have been stupid, but Steamboat stops him with right hands, hits a superplex, which is allowed for some reason, but both men were on the top rope, so it should have just been a null, I guess. They both should have gotten DQ'd. Steamboat covers him for a near fall after stumbling around for a second, but then they both men go down with serial clotheslines. Rude covers Steamboat, but... Steamboat bridges out and holds him down with a backslide and ties it up. It's 3-3. Three to three. Uh-oh, time is ticking. Steamboat attempts several near falls and a chin breaker stops Steamboat's attacks. Rude drives Steamboat nose first into the mat several times and screams at the dragon, You ain't no Iron Man! Scoop slam to Steamboat, followed by a forearm smash for a near fall. Steamboat chops the shit out of Rude, then poses with one arm, Rick Rude does. Rude then chokes Steamboat with the middle rope. Rude tries for the Rude Awakening, but Steamboat separates the hands. Ricky Steamboat hits Rick Rude with his own finishing move, the Rude Awakening, but Rude gets a foot on the rope, and Steamboat gets mad at Pee Wee Anderson for uh, catching this, and puts his hands on him, which should have been a DQ for Ricky Steamboat. Showing a lot of heel tactic here, here in this match. Suplex to Rude for a near fall, belly to back from Steamboat for a near fall. Rude catches Steamboat in the sleeper. Steamboat carries Rude's weight for ages as he tries to make it to the ropes. It's kind of frustrating that Steamboat doesn't fall asleep after, like, five minutes in the sleeper. Like, he is just not going to sleep. Rude then kicks Steamboat's arms down as he reaches for the ropes. Steamboat finally hits the mat and looks like he's going to sleep finally. But Pee-wee isn't checking his hand. Anderson finally checks his hand with 50 seconds to go. But Steamboat wakes up walks up the turnbuckle, falls back, and it's like a Bret Hart-Austin finish from Survivor Series. Pins him. And pins him with the his just his weight and nothing more. There's about 30 seconds left, and he takes the lead 4-3. to three. Rude tries multiple pinfall attempts, everything he could think of. Oh, man. Inside cradles. Backslide, inside cradle, roll-up, small packages. I mean, he tried everything. And Steamboat... Squeaks by in his WCW's Iron Man and new U.S. Cha- Wait. Nope. This was a non-title match, Patrick. So uh, why in the hell did we even fucking have the match? Exactly. And what was funny is J.R. and Ventura saying, Oh, with that win, you know, he really moves up the rankings to get a U.S. title shot. No, he should be the fucking champion. Yeah. Very bizarre. Bragging rights, Patrick. It's very important in wrestling. I agree. I agree. Uh, a good Iron Man match... A little too many rest holds for my liking, especially the sleeper that Rude put on. Was it better than the last Rude Steamboat match that we covered? Yes. Well, because I expect a lot from these two. Yeah. And I think that they did fine here. I don't think it was as good as his match against Ultimate Warrior. And that says something, because Ricky Steamboat's ten times the wrestler the Ultimate Warrior was. But I just... Really? You don't put it up past that? No, I don't think it's as good as that. It was, uh... It was good. It was, you know, for its time. I mean, not being able to go off the top rope kind of limits Ricky Steamboat. That eliminates his finisher, too. The crossbody. Yeah. So, and they didn't do a lot of stuff outside the ring. They didn't take a lot of shortcuts. 
which he which Rick Rude should have done, but his belt wasn't on the line. So really, why did he give a fuck? You know, why didn't he just go in there and True. just grab a chair and just wear the fuck out of Ricky Steamboat and take take a hundred to nothing loss and then just walked out, posed, and then walked up to Ricky Steamboat's family and said, "That's your that's your family man in there. Go, True. you can go get him." Yeah, he's a real Iron Man. That's what I would have done. I so, agree. Uh, yeah, it just made no sense. If, if the belt was on the line, maybe this would be better. And also, this followed the world. This followed Sting and Cactus Jack. So the 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 stacking of this card—that's what really hurt it, I think, too. Is the match that it just followed, and and you have two guys that aren't really known for submission. So you're you know those rest hold spots. Yeah, I just you don't buy into them, you know. You buy into Im- high impact moves, and they've got to go thirty minutes, so they're going to work a lot of rest holds. So, uh, yeah, if you had Bret Hart in there, and you had you know stunning Steve Austin or somebody, or uh, flying Brian, Bret Hart would have been awesome in an Iron Man match for thirty minutes. But these guys just uh, it was fine. It was fine. I don't have a lot of complaints about it, but it's. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Not that it should have been, in my opinion. But it's way better than that match we saw him wrestle on Clash or whatever. That was just awful. You really want to follow an Iron Man match. With round two of the Bikini Contest, this round features swimsuits, which is what I thought a Bikini Contest would feature. Medusa is out first in a one-piece swimsuit with Jesse Ventura sunglasses on and a do-rag. She takes the jacket off angrily and walks back. Missy Hyatt is out next in a bikini straight from 1983 with that high V-looking bottom thing on. And she walks out quickly and quickly walks back. Seems like it's 2 nothing Missy Hyatt to me, so it's already over. We have one more round of bikinis coming up. But first, a six-man tag where Ole Anderson is the ref, so expect no bullshit here. This guy really knows what he's doing. Right down the middle. Unfortunately, though, he's going to be biased. He's got family in this match. That's true. The Dangerous Alliance is out with Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, and Stunning Steve Austin. The hometown advantage right there, buddy. Nikita Koloff is out with Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. Happy 60th birthday this past week to none other than my good buddy, beautiful Bobby Eaton, by the way. Windham and Austin start the match. Windham hits a Japanese arm drag to Austin off the second rope. Dustin tags in. Austin eats a pair of drop kicks from Dustin. Dustin wrenches on the arm of Austin, but he makes a tag to Bobby Eaton. Bobby hits a knee lift to Dustin, inside cradles him for two. Arn tags in. Arn smacks Nikita. This makes Nikita mad, so Dustin tags him in. Arn thinks about going to the top turnbuckle, but Ole says, Hey, get down from there, buddy. And so he does. JR shit talks sports writers for hating on the wrestling rules, so this is geared towards Dave Meltzer, I'm sure, bitching about... Uh, Bill Watts rules here. Nikita throws Arn over the ropes, and Paul E. Dangerously loses his fucking mind wanting a DQ, which he should have gotten right. based on the rules. This is Ole Anderson, too, by the way. Ding, ding. That's it. So Match is over. But Ole lets this one go, and then JR starts defending the non-call, and Jesse lets JR have it about defending this non-call, but not as much as he did to Shivani at SummerSlam 89, but still, it's bullshit. Nikita wipes out the Dangerous Alliance all by himself, flinging them into one another. 
Wyndham and Arn eventually end up in the ring together, and Wyndham scoop slams Arn. Arn and Wyndham clank heads together. Arn hits a forearm off the second rope, goes back to striking Wyndham. A sleeper is reversed into a belly-to-back suplex by Arn. Dustin gets the hot tag, runs wild, gets rammed into Bobby Eaton's head, and now Dustin is out while Steve Austin gets a tag. Austin beats down Dustin, brings Arn back in. Arn smashes Dustin's head with his boot. Still time to vote in the bikini contest. one 909 cents a minute, please. Backslide from Dustin gets broken up by Bobby Eaton. Bobby tags in, keeps Dustin from the faces. Bobby tags in Austin. Austin nails a flying forearm for a near fall. Arn comes in, takes over. Dustin hits a bionic elbow to Arn, but can't get the tag to any of the faces, and Bobby gets a blind tag. Hammerlock to Rhodes. Arn cheap shots Dustin, but Ole catches him cheap shotting him, so he gets a warning. He misses a tag between Bobby and Austin, but allows it to stand, so more fuckery from Ole here. Dustin is just fucked as he can't get near the the, the faces. Uh, Arn then locks in an arm bar. Arn no sells an elbow from Rhodes, sends Rhodes back into the heels corner. Austin keeps Dustin from getting the hot tag, hits the stun gun. Wyndham gets the hot tag finally, as he was. Uh, close to the ropes, so he got a hot tag, and the faces wipe out the heel. Ole has lost all control of this match, so everyone's just going crazy. Wyndham superplexes Austin. Arn comes off the top to break it up, but Ole catches him, and now calls for a DQ against the Dangerous Alliance, as this, yes, this part is, no, you've gone too far now. Ole Anderson is going to stand up for the rules, Patrick, despite not caring about them at all earlier on okay, in the so match. You have two people in this match. And he DQ'd his own kin. You have two his people Kayfabe kin. <laughs> you have two people in this match, one of which Hometown Boy. Okay. His finisher is off the top rope. <laughs> the other one, Barry Wyndham, his finisher is a superplex off the top rope. top rope roll now I'm all for it if you throw yourself off it I'd let it go if I'm refereeing what do you mean throwing yourself over the top rope like you like like you suicide dive or something I'm all for it okay so you'll allow that I'd allow it I'd and I'd be I'd I'd piss off Bill Watts because I'd, I'd allow it if I was refereeing a match visually see Nikita Koloff Throw a man. <laughs> not just, oops, sorry. Not just, grabbed him by the back of his head and literally just shit canned him over the top rope. Okay? And you don't call it. You let it go. You've set a precedent. <laughs> yeah. Letting each guy in this ring know, like, hey, I'm actually going to let that go. You know? Yeah. yeah, that's the rule, but this match, I'm, I'm going to let it slide. At that point in time, you can't just pull it back out of your ass and be like, oh, nope, sorry, you did it. Ding, ding. Because <laughs> I don't like you. Especially... Only should get suspended. Especially with it being your own family. It was personal. It was personal, damn it. Yeah, this made no sense. Oh Fuck God, these rules. Only sucks. So fucked up. Maybe that's why he was such a stickler at Great American Bash for hanging on to those tag ropes and staying in your corner. He was oh, he man. was on he their was... ass at Great American Bash next month. Okay, first of all, why is Ole Anderson refereeing anyway? 
I'm sure this was a compromise as, well, we're not going to let you wrestle anymore. We're not going to let you book. We don't really have anything else for you to do, but we have enough for You've been here long enough. We'll give you something to do. It's like fucking Ronnie Garvin in WWE. <laughs> being the ring. ring announcer. And then, yeah, being a ring announcer. I mean... But it's not building to anything, yeah. It's not like... It should have been building to something, especially because he DQ'd Arn. It should be Arn versus Oli down the road. Or oh, something see, like that. That, that I, I would pay to see. Anyway, yeah. Fuck <laughs> these rules. Oli sucks. Bill Watts sucks. This match sucked because of that. Doesn't matter anything else they did. They could have had a classic, but it was those rules and the bullshit that... And why this followed the two big matches of the night. This was what you did. A fucking fuck finish. Ventura says, fuck this. I'm leaving. I'm going to be a part of the bikini contest now that it's the teeny weeny bikini portion of the contest. Bischoff is with... I, I didn't see much of a difference myself, personally. Did you? Uh, no, not for Missy Hyatt. No, not really. Uh, for Medusa, yes. Because okay. she was in a one-piece and a jacket earlier on for the swimsuit. Portion and and in this this portion she was in what? she had uh, well we'll get there in a minute but she had a, her Shawn Michaels tribute chaps on and, her assless uh, chaps yes <laughs> Ventura yeah so Bischoff is with Ricky Steamboat Ricky Steamboat gives a bland babyface promo just well that was just the best match I ever wrestled and I'm pretty sure he was reading off the teleprompter because he's looking slightly off screen and he doesn't seem really enthused about what he's saying but I love Polly dangerously interrupts this and says to Steamboat hey buddy guess what you're out of chances for the US title fuck you so all that was for absolutely nothing I'm glad that you're the Iron Man but fuck you you're not getting another shot at my man's belt so fuck off you know something, Eric? I would like to give thanks to all the fans that have stood by me in the past several months. It's been hard on myself, my little boy, my wife, all the false accusations, all the name bashing, the name calling. Well, tonight, finally, ladies and gentlemen, in a 30-minute Iron Man challenge, I proved to the world that this was my finest hour. This, without a doubt, was the hardest wrestling match of my entire career. I feel good about being on top of my game right now and knowing, and knowing that the Dangerous Alliance cannot dodge me anymore and knowing, Ravishing Rick Rude, that I am the Iron Man and knowing, Ravishing Rick Rude, that I am going to be knocking at your door for more United States Heavyweight Championship match. You can bet that take it to the bank. I'm going to tell you, as the CEO of the Dangerous Alliance, and as Ravishing Rick Rude's best friend in the world, my friend, you put on one of the greatest athletic exhibitions in the world tonight, but you have received your final chance at the U.S. heavyweight title. I don't just mean tonight, and I don't just mean this week, and I don't just mean this month. You have received your last title forever. There's Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack grabbing the fatigued Steamboat from behind. He's biting him in the face. Steamboat's got to fight for his life here. And then Cactus Jack, Out of mercenary, nowhere. attacks Steamboat. So there you go. JR says, we'll find out more about that in the coming weeks. Time for the final round of the bikini contest. This time Ventura's with Johnny B. Bad. 
Bad is now dressed like a male stripping sheriff as he came out in a sheriff's hat and a vest and pants and it's like if you hired a, a stripping sheriff for your bachelorette party. You know about this, apparently, right? Yeah. Ventura asks Bad, do you like girls? Bad says, you're just jealous. Where's Johnny B. Bad? Come out here, Johnny B. Bad. There's a new sheriff in the WCW, and he's a bad man! Well, let me tell you something now, Johnny B. Bad. I come back here because, as I understand it, we're down to the finals. We're down to the itsy, bitsy, teeny, weeny, bikini. All right. I need a close-up because I think you've been a little biased up here in your judgment. And I'm not really sure. Do you like girls? Oh, hush, Jesse. You're just jealous. I'm jealous. I don't think so. Let's get on with it. Let's do it, baby. And Mark Merrow would like girls, as Rena Merrow was uh, quite a catch for Mr. Merrow. Medusa is out first to booze, as she is in her red, white, and blue bikini with her HBK assless chaps on. She has, again, this look on her face like she is pissed off to be doing this. Then why do it? Why even come out? Like, totally go heel and, yeah, wear a potato sack or don't do it. Missy Hyatt says, oh my god, someone stole my bathing suit. Her entire bikini fit in an envelope. Then she rips the bandana off of Jesse Ventura's head to reveal that bald head and that the back of hair, that weird haircut of his. <laughs> that rat tail of no other hair but that. Johnny B. Bad then does something that wouldn't fly in 2018 as he goes and pervs on Missy Hyatt as she is allegedly naked, he says, okay, I'm gonna go in here and check on her. Missy Hyatt then comes out wearing Jesse Ventura's bandana. She's fabricated out of one bandana, Patrick. It's amazing. She made one bandana into a two-piece bikini. It was amazing. The top alone was two bandanas tied together. Yes. (laughs) Ventura says, those are my bandanas! (laughs) Yes, they are, Jesse. Yes, they are. And I say, we have a winner. Uh, but Johnny B. Bad says his votes are for Missy Hyatt. Medusa then beats him up. So Johnny B. Bad does get some comeuppance as Medusa beats the shit out of him. Who? who okay. Until Je- until Johnny does something that else wouldn't that wouldn't fly in 2018 and steals her bikini. And then Jesse does something else that wouldn't fly in 2018 and goes to perv on her. This is very creepy. Stay tuned for the winner. We'll have the results tomorrow. So tonight, yeah, you spent a dollar to vote. We had some preliminary results earlier. I think uh, Medusa was up by 2% for some reason. Can't get the results tonight, Patrick. Gonna have to to tune in tomorrow. So who ended up winning? You need to look this up, because I want to know now. I could probably... (laughs) Let's see, it would be June 21st, 1992. We're actually spending time. WCW, would it be main event or was it pro? I think it was main event. WCW Bikini Contest winner. 1992. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who would win this. That. Okay, who's your pick of Wayne, by the way? To me, there was no contest because the evening gown portion, Medusa came out in a wedding gown without her face even being shown. So I feel like she didn't get the memo about the first round. So that was really weird. Uh, Missy Hyatt took it easily. I don't know. And 
Medusa's a heel, so naturally, I'd root against... I mean, if this was me in 1992 voting, like, six-year-old me voting or whatever, I'm going to say Missy Hyatt, because Medusa seems mean. Six-year-old you voting. Yeah. My I gotta 99. go with Medusa, man. I think Medusa done pulled it off. The two, the two swimsuits did it for me. Tony and Eric hyped the Cactus Jack attack earlier. We get the World Tag Team Title match next. It's our main event of the evening, which I guess they were trying to get us ready for Great American Bash, which was nothing but tag team matches except for one match. I just question the stacking of this card so so much. Dr. Death and Terry Gordy are out first. They're the challengers. They're taking on the Steiner Brothers, the WCW Tag Team Champions. JR is rooting for the heels this time. Uh, His friend Dr. Death, of course. Gordy's going to start with Big Papa Pump. Gordy and Scott do some mat wrestling for a few moments. Gordy gets to the ropes. Scott works a half Nelson on Gordy. Gets his back, but Gordy makes it to the ropes. Gordy slaps Scott. Scott gets a double leg takedown, and they brawl into the ropes. Dr. Death comes in, grapples a bit with Scott. Doc lands some knees to Scotty in the corner, but eats a big boot. Scott tries a German, but gets elbowed in the face. Doc tries a three-point stance, but gets rolled up by Scott for two. The dog-faced gremlin Rick gets the tag. The varsity club explodes here, as we have former members going at it here. Ventura just keeps saying how stupid Rick Steiner is. I think he's got it backwards if we, you know, if he could rewrite this script in 2018 of... Which Steiner brother do you think is smarter, Rick or Scott? I think Ventura got it wrong here. Belly to belly from Rick to Dr. Death, who rolls out to regroup. Doc scoop slams Rick and hits a three-point stance twice to Rick. Tries a third one, but gets a Steiner line, not a clothesline, of course. Gordy tags in, lands a nasty belly to back on Rick, where Rick lands on his neck, but only gets a two-count. T-bone suplex to Gordy. Gordy tags Doc back in. Rick gets knocked out onto the ramp by Doc. Sunset flip from Rick with an assist from Scott. It gets a near fall on Doc. Gordy comes back in, locks in a half crab on Rick. Rick locks in a modified sharpshooter on uh, Gordy, but Doc nails Rick, and Gordy uses a spinning toe hold as revenge on Rick Steiner. Belly to belly on Gordy. Nasty suplex from Scott to Gordy. Scott and Gordy then both grab each other's legs, but Scott lets go. Scott tries a pinfall attempt, but Doc gets a tag. Doc and Scott tangle in the ropes, and Pee Wee has to break it up. Doc tags Gordy back in. Scott hits a crossbody for two on Gordy. Doc cheap shots Scott's knee, and Gordy goes for the STF, but only locks in the leg, can't get the face. Gordy then nails Scott with a clothesline for a near fall. Tags in Doc. Doc keeps Scott grounded with strikes. Scott wakes up, but takes him down with a kick to the knee. The heels double-team Scott. Gordy gets the tag. Rick breaks up the cover. Doc comes back in, smacks Scott in the face. Doc gets a half-crab on Scott, sits down on it. Gordy gets the tag, continues the work on Scott's leg, locks the crab back on, transitions to the STF attempt again, but still can't get Scott's head. Doc gets a tag, looks for a standing Boston crab, a full standing Boston crab. Uh, Y2J taking notes. Scott gets a hot tag to Rick, and Rick runs wild. Power slam to Doc for a near fall. Scott hits a second rope bulldog to Doc, throws Gordy to the outside. Gordy clotheslines Scott to the outside. Ding, 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 DQ. Nope, not in this match. Doc hits a clothesline from hell on Rick, but lifts him up to hand him to Gordy for a power slam off the second rope. Pee Wee says Gordy wasn't the legal man, so Rick kicks out of Doc's pen attempts. The heels have Rick all to themselves. Rick kicks out of a shoulder block. Doc hits a backbreaker to Rick, but Steiner kicks out. Rick tries fighting back, gets stomped down by Doc. 
Doc power bombs Rick for two. Front face lock and the crowd cheers for the Steiners. They really want the faces to win. Doc goes for the stampede, but Steiner hits a Steiner line and both men go down. Gordy tags in, eats another Steiner line from Rick. Only one minute left in this time limit matchup. That's right, your main event has a time limit, and we're almost at it. Scott gets the hot tag, runs wild, scoop slams to the heels, double arm power bomb to Gordy, but he runs out of time as he hits the Frankensteiner and the time limit draw. Ding, ding, ding is called. What a way to end a night. Your winners are... Nobody. Time limit draw. Steiners retain. As this would be a match they gave away on free TV a few weeks later for Clash Champions, but... Fuck. Just miserable. Uh, to go 30 minutes... Imagine that Iron Man match going to a no contest. I mean, that's what we got here. 30 minutes of nothing. So what a way to go home tonight. Thanks. Thanks, Bill Watts. Tony and Eric recap the night. Be sure to watch Great American Bash. And vote for the bikini contest. Uh, The tag match, it shouldn't have been 30 minutes, number one. It should have been earlier on in the card. I agree with both. You probably should have put it maybe after Simmons and Terry Taylor. Then had Greg Valentine and Bagwell. Then had the six-man. Then have the Iron Man match. Then have Stinging Cactus. Right. They just booked it completely... Weird. Yes. If I was in the crowd, I might have considered leaving after the Iron Man match. Especially when I didn't get a title change. And I'm sure they didn't promote... I'm sure they didn't promote that it was not going to be a non... You know, that it was a non-title match. I'm sure that was just kind of snuck in at the last second. So even when Steamboat wins, it's for nothing. Yep. So, And then your main event of the night is for nothing because it's a draw. It's a two-match two card for me, really, and that's the Cactus Jack and Sting match and the Iron Man match. And I think the Sting match is, is the standout here. It'd be my one match to really go back and check out. I think Ron Simmons is Terry Taylor as well. Well, it was 7-10. It was designed to get Simmons over as a baby face. I mean, it was a squash match, basically. So, and, they, and he gave an excellent promo afterwards. So, mission accomplished there. But so not a lot else on this card that I would recommend. What about you, Patrick? I, I biased. I like the main event, even though it was not a good match. I enjoyed it. Biased. You know why. Everybody knows why. Uh, Dangerous Alliance 6, man. I love the concept. Oli fucked that match over. Well, the rules and Oli, yeah. Oli, with with the rule, uh, Oli screwed it up. It had, the, it had the capability of being a really good match. Royd Steamboat, I liked it. Sting Cactus, oh my god. Buff and Valentine, I still enjoyed the match. Greg the Hammer Valentine, I love watching him work. Terry Taylor, Ron Simmons, I think was an absolute outstanding match. I really liked it. Flamingo Pillman sucked. So. Agreed on that one for sure. Yeah, for the third longest match on the card, it really, really sucked. It was bad. But he was handcuffed, like I said. Yep. Flying Brian had to be Matt Brian. So... On our rating scale. Yeah. Warren's Woggle to Giant Gonzalez. Where do you put this legendary pay-per-view? 
I'm going to give this one a Dustin Rhodes. Really? Yeah, a gold dust. I'm giving it a Taylor Made Man. Not a red rooster? No. Oh, because that would have been a little higher because he had yeah. his little rooster hair going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm giving it a Taylor Made Man. So, Patrick, that's where we went this week. That was my pick. Where will we go next week? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Salivating, rubbing my hands together. We are going to December 13th, 1988. Back when the last little bit of territories were still around. We are going to see a territory out of Minneapolis called AWA. And their last pay-per-view that has just been added to the network, AWA Super Clash 3, it's going to be your main event of Jerry the King Lawler taking on Kerry Von Erich for the AWA title. But see, I thought the main event was the Rock and Roll Express versus the Stud Stable. That's a good match. I see, I agree. I agree. But Brickhouse taking on none other than... Iceman King Parsons. Let's see. World-class guy myself, Iceman King Parkins. I'm all for it. The good news about Super Clash 3 is all the matches are very short except for one. So I can can maybe make it through because this sounds pretty miserable in front of only 1,600 people. How does it sound miserable? This is great. This is Southern Roots Wrestling. Oh, man. Checking out Jeff Jarrett in 1988. Oh, boy. Double J. Double J. for a real treat. Okay, so that's where we'll go with Super Clash 3. The, uh... AWA. The AWA pay-per-view on the network. There was a Super Clash 4, but I don't think that one's on the network, so... I won't be seeing that one. So, yeah. 1988... AWA AWA combining with World Class Wrestling Association the powerful women of wrestling and the Championship Wrestling Association as well as the USWA so so we got Memphis we got Texas we got Indianapolis Minnesota Minnesota we have basically everyone left Except for WCW and Vince. Everyone else that is still left standing. Coming together for one last drive to save this great thing called Territory Wrestling. Yeah, well, we'll see how they fared. In Super Clash 3 from 1988, that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's clothesline. And bingo, bingo. Memories of how the company was run by some of your predecessors, like Jim Hurd, uh, Kip Fry, Bill Watts. Any specific memories of how your dealings were with each of them? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I got along with Jim Hurd, and, and I probably interfaced with him. After the day he hired me, I may have had two or three short conversations with Jim Hurd. It just wasn't, just, again, my role in the company was so far down the food chain that I didn't really interface with him at all. And in fact, I think he hired me. I may have run into him at the lounge at the Omni Hotel once or twice afterwards and had a cocktail with him. And I didn't see him again until the day he was fired. And I actually chased him out the door to say goodbye to him and thank him for hiring me because I had heard it came from out of nowhere. Kip Fry, uh, I mean, 
it was obvious to me that Kip Fry was a deer in the headlights from the moment he stepped into that role, and I was pretty sure it wasn't going to last. Uh, he, he was goofy. He was just goofy. Not, I right. mean, he was a, he, look, he's an entertainment attorney. He went on to become very successful. He's a very intelligent guy, talented guy. But his, he didn't know anything about the wrestling business. And when I say he didn't know anything about the wrestling business, people use that phrase all the time. There are so many aspects of the wrestling business to know. But Kip didn't know anything about the business of the wrestling business. And he knew even less about the culture of the wrestling business. And it was pretty obvious to just about everybody. What about Bill Watts? I wasn't impressed with Bill. Bill was a bully. Bill came in and immediately he was going to do like throwback Thursday type of approach to him. We're going to go back to the way it was in the 70s. We're going to pull the mats away from the floor. We're going to turn down the lights and you know, only have the lightning arena so you don't have to see the people. He was doing all of these things to try to compensate for the fact that there was nobody coming to these shows. You'd show up with a television production truck and a crew and talent and 400 people would show up and half of them were carrying brown paper bags and fall asleep after the fourth match. It, it was ass ugly, okay? And his approach to fixing that was to camouflage it by making it look like an old studio show from the 70s and make it dangerous for the talent at the same time by taking the mats away from the ring and trying to make it dangerous. And that the cause and effect of that were, was for the talent then to, instead of being more dynamic in the ring and being able to work harder, they became more conservative because they'd break their necks yeah. if they weren't. And right off the bat, I thought, that well, that's just back-ass words. That's never going to work. And on top of that, he was a bully. He was a loudmouth bully. Was there any specific moments where you realized, this is being done wrong and I can do better? And there were no moments that I can recall, certainly, but it was a kind of like Chinese water torture, you know, just seeing, seeing all of the things that Watts was doing, seeing the way he handled things and people and... You know, the guy carried a gun into the Omni and, you know, put it on his desk to try to intimidate people. That kind of crap, you know, I see that, and I don't care how big and tough you are, when you have to tell people that you're big and tough, you're probably deep down inside a pussy and are trying to compensate. And, and I saw that, and I'm not saying he wasn't a badass and all that kind of crap, but I saw him compensating in so many different ways over such a, even a short period of time that I just, I knew it wasn't going to last.